This is the fifth CD in the series of Freedom and the Glory, what the Bible really says about speaking in tongues. And we're also going to break down the four different biblical types of tongues. And once you understand and see these in Scripture, you're going to be so encouraged and you're going to begin to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, speak in other tongues, sing in tongues, pray in tongues, and you're going to be elevated to a whole new realm in God. I'm David, my lovely wife. Joanna. We are the Herobedians Virtual Church Media, and we want to start with an atmosphere of music as we teach, because when music is present from the Lord, it silences and stills the avenger. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Psalm 68, 1. God inhabits the praises of his people. He inhabits the praises of Israel. Proverbs 22, 3. And as praise goes up, blessings come down. I see the angels are now starting to descend into this teaching already. They're ready willing and able. They're RWA. They've been waiting to get into the game, I can see. People are going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and with fire and with sign gifts of tongues and prophecy in this section. This is exciting. I can feel the anointing already. The Bible says, Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. His going forth is prepared as the morning, and he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain into the earth. Hosea 6.3 Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. If we really want to know, we'll know. If we don't want to know, we won't know. I believe you're here today because you want to know. I want to share my testimony. It was in 1990. I was facing life in prison without the possibility of parole. I was scheduled for sentencing the following morning. I was a new believer. Just before bed, I felt convicted to pray before going to sleep. I asked my co-defendant, who'd been saved for about six months, and our other roommate, Big George, to pray with me. They looked at me with pity and said, sure. I felt the need to get out of bed and kneel on that cold cement floor as an act of humility before God. My co-defendant and Big George remained on their beds a short distance from me in that eight by 16 prison cell in Leavenworth Penitentiary in building 63 with the cockroaches. As we began to pray, the atmosphere was no different from normal. It was a cold, floored prison cell. I began to pray aloud, asking for the Lord's mercy, wisdom, and favor to go before me at sentencing the following day. After praying for just a few minutes, God's presence began to enter the room. The atmosphere was totally transformed. My prayer began to take on a completely new dimension. Clarity and authority were suddenly in my voice. Faith filled my soul. Something special was happening. 
Then an utterance in tongues bubbled forth forcefully from deep within my belly. I'd never experienced such a flow. Prior to this, I'd experienced the Holy Spirit moving my mouth as I prayed, but this was something much deeper. It was power such as I'd never experienced before. At first it startled me, but I had peace that passed all understanding. I yielded to the Holy Spirit. I would pray in English, and then an utterance in tongues beyond my understanding would flow forth. Then back to English, my native tongue, with my understanding. Then in tongues again, my co-defendant began to experience the complimentary gift of the Holy Spirit called interpretation of tongues. Whatever flowed out of me in this unknown language, my co-defendant was supernaturally hearing back in his mind clearly in English. My co-defendant began to speak out the interpretation as I would pause for him to speak. It was amazingly natural, although clearly supernatural. We were flowing in the Holy Spirit together with tongues and interpretation of tongues, just as the Bible said was possible and a gift of the Holy Spirit. I'd known the Lord for only about a month when this occurred. It was a wonderful and invigorating time in God's presence. The majority of prayers we were led to pray that night were answered within the next 48 to 72 hours in miraculous ways. God had shown up in a dirty prison cell in Leavenworth Penitentiary, confirming his presence and power to a couple of repentant criminals who were criminals no more. From that day forward, I prayed in tongues every single day of my life and on many occasions have experienced interpretation of tongues with prayers being specifically answered identical to the words of the interpretation given. That was my first encounter with tongues and interpretation of tongues. And if God did it for me, he wants to do it for you. Why? Because you're in earshot and listening to this and God never places you in position to hear about testimony of his goodness or healing or deliverance unless he's building faith in you to do a similar thing because he loves you and he wants to pour out more of his spirit upon you. Paul's letter to the Corinthians concerning various spiritual gifts begins with the words, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant, 1 Corinthians 12, 1. The Weymouth New Testament renders this verse, it is important, brethren, that you should have clear knowledge on the subject of spiritual gifts. God spoke these poignant words to his people, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge, Hosea 4, 6. God's word admonishes us. God spoke these words to his people in Hosea 4, 6. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. God's word further admonishes us. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved who correctly handles the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15 It's evident from scripture 
that God's will is for us to know. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. John 8, 31 and 32, Revised Standard Version. Do you wanna secure the freedom offered to you today by God's word? The only thing separating you from knowing and remaining ignorant is your willingness to truly know. And because you're listening, I know you want to know. There's two ways to read the scriptures when seeking to know, exegesis and eisegesis. Well, David, what's the difference between exegesis and eisegesis? I'm glad you asked. Exegesis is the proper way and results in knowing the truth that makes us free. It's reading out of the scriptures what are there and whatever the scriptures say, if there's something in us that's contrary, we allow the scriptures to change us in the process as we're transformed into his image. Eisegesis is the improper way and causes us to remain ignorant, misinformed, and stagnant in an area of our faith. For example, if we believe something contrary to the scriptures, when we eisegesis read them, we read into the scriptures what we already believe, therefore the scriptures cannot change us. But when we read exegesis out of the scriptures, what they say, the Word of God changes us. Today, I want to share with you some testimonials about God revealing the four different types of speaking in tongues to me. There's four different types of tongues, and I believe this is really going to help you as it helped me. There's four different types of tongues which God has provided for the building up of the body of Messiah. One, tongues as a sign to the unbeliever, 1 Corinthians 14, 22. Two is tongues for personal edification or building up, 1 Corinthians 14, 4. Three is tongues for interpretation, which is 1 Corinthians 14, 5. And four is tongues for deep intercessional groanings, Romans 8, 26. Let's get into it. Number one, tongues is assigned to the unbeliever. 1 Corinthians 14, 22 says, Tongues then are assigned not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. Each of these different types of tongues in 1 Corinthians 12, 10 is given as the Holy Spirit wills, 1 Corinthians 12, 11, and for distinctly different purposes. For example, on the day of Pentecost, tongues as a sign to the unbeliever were poured out on the 120. Each one heard them speaking in his own language, Acts 2, 6 through 8. The 120 were speaking in tongues, dialectos, a language not naturally acquired by the speaker, while those present heard them in their own native language. Hence, in this case, although the speakers did not understand what they were saying, the hearers, at least those for whom the sign was given, understood them clearly in their own language, verses 6 through 8. This is what Mark experienced when I met him with Juan Carlos in a prison cell. Mark was a Hare Krishna that was Jewish and spoke Hebrew, and he became a Hare Krishna. But then... On his second bit into prison, on a new case, he got 
born again. He accepted Messiah Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior, but he didn't believe in the current day operation of the gifts of the Spirit yet. And we were in a cell together, and Juan Carlos was Cuban. So here I am with Mark and Juan Carlos. We're holding hands together and praying, and all of a sudden Juan Carlos begins speaking in other tongues. But I recognized he was speaking in fluent Hebrew. And Mark looked up at me and he looked over at this Cuban. How does this Cuban know Hebrew? And he's singing the high praises of God from the Psalms in the ancient language. And it was a type of ancient Hebrew that Mark had grown in pieces with. Long story short, we got done praying. I looked at Juan Carlos and I said, Juan Carlos, can I ask you a question? He said, yes, David. I said, what were you praying? He said, I was praying in tongues. I said, I understand that, but do you, did you recognize what you were praying? He said, no, it just bubbled forth out of me. It was marvelous. I felt the presence of God. And I said, do you by chance speak any other languages other than Spanish and some English? He said, no. I said, do you speak any Hebrew? He said, well, I know a couple of words. I know Shalom. I said, you mean Shalom? And he said, yeah, yeah, Shalom. I looked at Mark and I said, Mark, I said, did you recognize the language he was speaking? He said, yes, David. He was singing the high praises of God from the ancient Psalms in fluent Hebrew. And it encouraged Juan Carlos and it was a sign for Mark that God had more for him. And it opened him up, a sign to a non-believer regarding the gifts of the Holy Spirit, even though Mark was a believer in Messiah. There's always more. And that opened the door for Mark to encounter the Lord in a deeper way. So the first type is tongues as a sign to non-believers, unknown to the speaker, but known to the hearer that needs no interpretation because really it's a sign or a message to the person who understands the language. On the day of Pentecost, there were 16 language groups in Acts chapter 2, and every man heard the disciples, the 120, declaring the wonderful works of God in their own native tongue, their own native dialect or dialectos in the original Greek language in the New Testament. Why is that important? Because it was a sign to non-believers. And what were they doing? Declaring the wonderful works of God. So not every type of tongues needs an interpreter. This type clearly doesn't because it already has an interpreter, the one for whom the sign is intended. The second type of tongues of the four types of tongues in the New Testament, tongues for personal edification. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church, 1 Corinthians 14.4. Paul speaks about a distinctly different type of tongue in 1 Corinthians 14.4. 
This tongue is for personal edification. This is also known as your personal prayer language in tongues. Paul says that no man can understand this type of tongue, 1 Corinthians 14, 2. So nobody can tap your line. It's a private language between you and God as you pour out your heart before him and the Holy Spirit empowers you to pray perfect prayer across the throne of grace that's encrypted with the top level security of the Holy Spirit. If no man can understand him, we now know this is a different kind of tongue than the tongue that the 120 received on the day of Pentecost because at Pentecost, every man heard him in his own natural dialect, Acts 2, 6 through 8. Tongues for personal edification is given by the Holy Spirit for a believer to strengthen his own human spirit. The word edification means to be a house builder or to build up or embolden or to edify Strong's number 3618, oikodomeo. When preaching on the subject of spiritual warfare and the armor of God, Paul, the apostle, began with these words, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Ephesians 6.10, we need to be strong. We need to be built up. We need to be edified. What's also interesting is the Bible says in Proverbs, a man's spirit sustains him in sickness, but a broken spirit who can bear Somebody said to me, well, David, is it right for you to edify yourself? Shouldn't you be edifying other people? Absolutely. Once we're strong in the power of his might, we're in a much better position to strengthen others. It's like putting your own oxygen mask on first on a plane. It's the wise thing to do. Now you have oxygen and you can move about and help others get theirs on. The apostle Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. He got strengthened in the Lord and he began to release healing power to the man at the gate, beautiful. We need to edify ourselves and be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Tongues for personal edification and spiritual strengthening is a wonderful gift from God to his body, the Messiah, the believers. Jude alludes to this gift near the end of his epistle. But you, dear friends, must build up your lives ever more strongly upon the foundation of our holy faith, learning to pray in the power and strength of the Holy Spirit. Jude 1, verse 20, Living Bible. The word for building up yourself is the same word that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 14, 4 when referring to tongues for personal edification. So you should pray more strongly upon the foundation of your holy faith, learning to pray in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit, building yourselves up. Therefore, building yourself up in this manner internally can be accomplished by praying in the Holy Spirit or praying in tongues given by the Spirit for personal building and edification. I believe that when you pray in tongues privately, you'll have power to preach publicly. When you pray in tongues during the day, I believe it increases dreams and visions at the night. When you pray in tongues before you go to bed, you pray in the spirit, you pray in tongues. What happens is God moves things out of the way and he begins to move things into alignment. It makes it easy to set up the dominoes, praying in the spirit, and then God knocks them down before you and you have great victory. This is how he leads us in triumphal procession in Christ Jesus, preparing 
the way of the Lord through praying in other tongues. The third type of tongues is tongues with interpretation. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that others might be edified. 1 Corinthians 14, 5. So prophecy is greater than tongues unless there's an interpretation of tongues. Then they're equal. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. Paul said, I want every one of you to have this private prayer language in tongues that you might be empowered to build up your inner man that will strengthen you against sickness, will give you wisdom, praying that your spirit and your mind might be filled with all wisdom and spiritual understanding and the knowledge of him. But when you come into a public setting, instead of just getting up and speaking in tongues with no interpreter, it's fine that you're edifying your own self, but in a public setting, isn't it better that you have an interpreter or even more so that you prophesy that the rest of those standing by might be strengthened and edified? The manifestation of tongues is normally presented in a public assembly accompanied by interpretation by the same or another person. Another name given to this type of manifestation is ministerial tongues because these types of tongues minister to one, several, or the entire congregation. Paul says this type of tongues with interpretation should be exercised in the public assembly not more than two or three times during a service. If there's no interpreter present, then the one gifted with an interpretable tongue should keep silent in the church, 1 Corinthians 14, 28. Paul goes on to say this though, let him speak to himself and to God, meaning let him worship in this way in a matter that does not disrupt others. This can include praying quietly in a personal prayer language so that only he and God may hear. In this matter, no disruption occurs and the individual is edified during this time of prayer. A lot of times I'll be in church and while worship is going on, I'll be under my breath. But the minute the song ends, I end because I don't want attention drawn to me and the tongue. Now, if I have an interpretable tongue at that point, I would launch out in tongues and then there would be an interpretation, but that would be for public use. But during the time of worship, we want to keep our tongue that we're praying between us and God at a volume level where it doesn't disrupt others around us or bring attention to us and take the attention off of the one we're worshiping during worship. My experience has been that when the Holy Spirit inspires interpretable tongues, an interpreter will also be given inspiration to interpret, or the one giving the tongue will be also given the interpretation that the church might be built up, strengthened, empowered, ministered to through this gift of God. Sometimes, however, the interpreter will not step out in faith and exercise his or her gift, rendering this gift of interpretable tongues ineffective. When this occurs, it can give the appearance of a misuse or a disturbing use of tongues. In reality, it's an incomplete use or an exercise of ministerial tongues. A mature pastor who operates in ministerial type tongues will simply say, please give the tongue again so I can give the interpretation this time. 
The speaker will receive the utterance a second time, the pastor will then receive interpretation, and the church will be edified. I was in a minister's uh, panel one time, and they had such a high level of the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues that someone would stand up and they would give a tongue, and it might be like a, a Native American or an Arabic tongue, and you would look at this person, you're like, they have no connection with that ethnicity. And it would have a syncopation or a beat to it. And it would have long, uh, you know, sounding words. And then someone would get up and they would interpret it with the same syncopation, same type of thing, same inflections in English. And it would just be amazing. And they would do this two or three times during uh, the panel. And it was just that kind of gift was common in ministerial tongues. It's not common in a lot of churches, but I believe it's available for every church because God wants us to come behind in no gift. We're to seek the greater gifts. What could be greater than building yourself up so you're strong in the Lord and the power of his might and you're able to pick others up and strengthen them? And what could be better than prophecy and interpretation of tongues to strengthen others around you and with those gifts, the other gifts also operate. Miracles, healing, words of knowledge, words of wisdom. Why all the confusion? Why all the confusion when it comes to tongues? The answer is several fold. First, people gifted with tongues for personal edification often misuse their gift ignorantly in the public assembly. Paul said, you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other man is not edified. 1 Corinthians 14, 17. This is common in many congregations today, just like in the Corinthian congregation. Paul's response to this was, do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly manner. Everything should be done decently and in order. 1 Corinthians 14, 39 through 40. Notice that Paul didn't want tongues to be forbidden in the church, but rather that everything that is done must be useful to all and build them up in the Lord. Additionally, Paul said, let all things be done decently in order. Sometimes it's impossible to put things in order until they've first been done. A great basketball player in the NBA said, I've learned this, I miss every shot I don't take. You could be in the boat with the other 11 or you could be Peter walking on water with Jesus and sinking. You could be the other 11 disciples and not saying anything to Jesus when he says, who do you say that I am? Some say you're John the Baptist, this and that, I'm non-committal. Peter says, thou art the Messiah, the son of the living God. Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. A few verses later, Jesus has to rebuke Peter telling him, you have not in mind the things of God, but of man. Peter denied the Messiah three times, yet he was the one preaching the gospel on the day of Pentecost when tongues came for the first time. Step out of the boat. Begin to give a tongue with an interpretation. Step out of the boat. Begin to walk with Jesus. It's okay if you make a mistake, God takes your R-I-S-K, your risk, 
and calls it faith when you're doing it unto him and he'll bless you for it. The last type of tongues that I want to talk about is in Romans 8:26. When we don't know what to pray for as we ought to, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness and makes intercession for us with groanings that words cannot express. One translation is cannot be uttered in human speech. Romans 8, 26. When this kind of tongues comes upon you, it's normally an emergency situation or God is birthing something in the earth. I have friends who commonly operate in this realm as intercessors. And when the power of God comes on them, they will literally travail in tongues, sometimes for 10 minutes, sometimes for two hours. And when they're done, it's like they're exhausted, but something major has been birthed. I've had this happen to me on three occasions in 30 years. And every time that kind of deep intercessional groaning comes upon me, it's like birthing. It's like almost giving birth. I, I'm a male, so I've never given birth. But the birth pangs of it come. And once you're in it, you can't get out of it until you're done and that thing is birthed. And then after that happens, you feel exhausted and relieved at the same time. You can't manufacture this type of deep intercessional groanings and you can't bail out of it once it starts because God is doing something through you. And this really is for mature believers and God will bring a smaller portion of it on you because it's a little bit outside your comfort zone. And by the way, you should move into a new zone which is outside your comfort zone, which is the risk zone, which is where faith is birthed. It's on the water with your eyes looking at Jesus. I want to read to you some recent statistics of world evangelism. At the time that I'm talking to you right now, statistics on world evangelism indicate that approximately 400,000 souls are coming to Messiah daily. More people have become believers in Messiah in the last 35 years than in the prior 1,985 years combined. 28,000 a day are coming to Messiah in communist China. 20,000 a day are bending their knee to the cross for the first time each morning in Africa. 300,000 a month are responding to the gospel message in India through the sharing of the Jesus videos. Evangelism is exploding at exponential rates around the world. Statistically, nearly 90% of all souls being won to Messiah Jesus is occurring through ministries that preach, teach, and operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They are tongue talkers. The last day's move of God on the earth is happening just like the prophet Joel foresaw in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they will prophesy. Acts 2.17, quoting the prophet Joel from the Old Testament. Did you know that in China right now, 
The most effective evangelists in the rural communities are single females ages 18 to 22. They're often martyred for their faith. Their prayers are not for a second car or a new home, but that their faith would not fail them when they're required to give their lives for Jesus. The biggest church in the world, nearly a million active members, was in South Korea, led by Pastor Paul Yonggi Cho, who's gone on to be with the Lord. This church has been used by God to transform the population from one half percent Christian to nearly 25 percent Christian today. They speak in tongues and operate in all the manifestation gifts of the Spirit. Paul lists in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. Reinhard Bunke, evangelist to South Africa, won nearly 12 million souls to Christ through crusades in 2003 alone. In one service where God's power was demonstrated, over 1 million souls, Muslim, Hindu, and other, gave their hearts to Jesus the Messiah. Healings, deliverances, and miracles are commonplace in his crusades. When the name of Jesus is proclaimed, he speaks in tongues too. Reinhard Bunke, successor is Daniel Kalinda. We actually attend that nation's church. And they won 2.2 million to Christ this year. I want to talk to you about the Philippines survey. The following is an excerpt from a recent article entitled The Holy Spirit. A worldwide network of churches did a study. A survey was taken in the Philippines sometime back which found that each believer who had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit brought 36 people to Christ compared to the one person led to the Lord by each believer who had not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why? The Spirit-baptized believer simply had the power of God in their lives to witness with greater effect the article goes on to explain the difference between receiving the Holy Spirit at salvation and being baptized in the Holy Spirit can be explained like this. You can be led to a pool of water and drink from it, receive the Holy Spirit at salvation, or you can jump fully into the water, be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's the same water, same Holy Spirit, but you have a completely different experience. Right now, I want to recap the four different types of tongues. And then we want to pray for you to receive additional types of tongues, or if you've never had your personal prayer language in tongues, that God would give you that right now. And first I want to share, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, here's how it happened to me. It didn't occur the night that I was released in those furious tongues with interpretation in that prison cell with my co-defendant with full interpretation, it actually happened two weeks earlier. A person that had helped lead me to Christ and was healed of five compression fractures and three blown discs in front of a chiropractor named Shane asked me if I wanted to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. I said, well, Shane, I want everything God has for me. I'm hungry for him. And he said, well, Go ahead and ask him to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and thank him in advance for giving you the gift of your personal prayer language in tongues. So I said, I said, Lord, I thank you right now. I'm receiving by faith the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of the outward 
expression of speaking in other tongues, my personal prayer language, in Jesus' name. And I said, amen. He said, well, there you have it. I said, well, that's it? He said, no, you got it. He said, because you asked for it, you've got it. The expression of it will eventually come up because you received it by faith in your spirit. It will rise up through your soul and eventually express itself out of your mouth. Just begin to thank God that it's done. So I laid down on my bunk. I began to thank God that it was done. And then it just kind of like left me about a week later. Shane said, hey, have you been thanking God for the gift of tongues? I said, well, I'm still praying for it. He said, no, 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 no. You already received. He won't give you a stone if you ask him for a fish. If you ask him for an egg, he won't give you a serpent. How much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He said, David, he says, begin to thank him because it's already done and it will manifest. So I laid on my bunk and I said these words. I said, well, God, Shane asked me to thank you for filling me with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. So, and it really sounded strange coming out of my mouth because faith is different than feelings. Faith is different than, you know, facts sometimes. Facts are this, but by his stripes you're healed. What happened was this. I said these words. I said, God, I thank you for the gift of tongues, for baptizing me in the Holy Spirit. I, I, I thank you. And then I said it a second time. And the second time I said it, it was easier. I said, Lord, I thank you for giving me the gift of tongues. I thank you. It's already your will to do that. So I believe I received when I prayed, you know, last week. And then I said it a third time. And the third time I said it, it's like it went from my outer man to my soul into my spirit. And I said, Lord, I thank you that you gave me the outward evidence of speaking in other tongues, private prayer language, that I can serve you better. And I went to sleep and I woke up and my mouth was moving. And it was like a numbness was on my mouth. And I said, hallelujah. But I couldn't get much more out than the air. And I told Shane what had happened. He goes, that's it. He goes, just praise him. And every time I would say hallelujah, it would like jump start it. But it was more like a And what happened was that night before I got sentenced in 1990 in June, the Holy Spirit came out of me like a mighty rushing river. And I prayed in tongues on a daily basis ever since. And God wants to give you the same power to go forth that you might be an effective witness for him, whether it's tongues that are unknown to you like Juan Carlos had in front of Mark in fluent Hebrew singing and declaring the high praises of God from the Old Testament Psalms, whether it's a private prayer language with no one can tap your line that's encrypted between you and heaven that moves things out of the way from the enemy and puts things in divine order and releases angels for evangelism and ministry and victory and business in every area of your life, or whether it's tongues 
with interpretation, ministerial tongues in a public setting that others might be edified, or whether it's tongues for deep intercessional groanings to birth something into the earth. God wants to give it to you now. If you want that, just hold your hands up as a sign to say, I surrender and give you my tongue, Lord, that you might show yourself mighty. Just say, I am receiving right now afresh the baptism of the Holy Spirit and of fire that I might be consumed in you and you in me. Fill me now. Flood me. Do for me what you promised in your word. I receive it by faith right now. There you go. And then just uh, say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just begin to bubble forth. There's nobody around. You can be a fool for Christ. You might have done it in an NFL game when there was a crowd. Now you can do it where there's a crowd of angels. Just begin to bubble forth. Hallelujah. Joanna, go ahead and flow as they just, she's going to play as you just step out as I did. It may start off with little puffs of air, but it will develop into a divine language and a prayer language between you and God that statistically can make you, as the Philippine study said, 36 times more effective for the Messiah. that are ministering to people right now. Thank you for angelic assistance from heaven. waiting upon the Lord I want to end with this 
even as Moses stuck his staff across the water and then the wind came, this will help you. Even as you begin to use your tongue by faith, then the wind of the Holy Spirit will come. So as you step out in faith, the wind of the Holy Spirit will bubble forth from within you and just begin to praise Him. As we end this CD, we encourage you to continue to praise Him and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you and you minister unto the Lord. Our next CD is going to be called Sons of God Arise. And you're going to enter into sonship and begin to operate in the greater works. I'm David, my lovely wife. Joanna. We are the Herobedians Virtual Church Media. Thanks for joining us. God bless you. <laughs>